hi to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Hello there and welcome to Down the Garden Path, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. Hi there, I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance. We want to help you make it happen. That's right, and Authors Month is in full swing this November on Down the Garden Path. And tonight we are joined by returning guest and garden author, Stephanie Rose. Tonight, we're looking forward to diving into Stephanie's latest books, the regenerative gardening book, as well as her new big book of botanical crafts that is going to be released later this week or late later this month. Um, so if you have a question about regenerative gardening, looking for some botanical graph craft ideas to do over the winter or another question for Stephanie about her past books we'd love for you to share them with us by writing us at down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com and a little bit about Stephanie perhaps you haven't met her you're a new listener Stephanie Rose is the founder and creator of the popular website and blog garden therapy based in Vancouver she's an award-winning author artist and master gardener. She has written a number of books, including The Regenerative Garden and Garden Made. Her latest book, Big Book of Botanical Crafts, will be available shortly. I believe November 22nd is the release date specifically. So welcome back to the show, Stephanie. Thank you so much. It's nice to see you both again. It's nice to be here. Yes, it's great to see you too. Thank you for joining us this evening. Oh, this is so much fun. I'm I'm in here in Vancouver, BC, and the sun is just starting to go down. So <laughs> I'm in that golden hour. I know it's a little uh, bit later for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. That you're rock. you're actually glowing, so that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, they um, you can't see it. If you can only see it on our Zoom call, but you can't see that the sun is just shining into my eyes right now. It's quite okay. lovely. Oh, that's good. <laughs> That's good. So we talked a few years ago in 2020 uh, about your book, Garden Alchemy, which was a bestseller. And um, and I'm excited. Matt and I have been wanting to talk to someone about permaculture. So we'll probably have you back because we this is such a big topic. Right. And um, and when you, you talk a bit about it in uh, the regenerative gardening. So do you want to talk? Just tell us more about what is regenerative gardening? You know, you're so right, Joanne, when you say it's such a big topic, because mm -hmm. it's not, it's not something that has become really easily digestible to us permaculture, the idea of it. And um, there's a lot of really amazing books on permaculture out there. And of course, they're all like, you know, 500 to 1000 pages, yeah. super thick, lots of diagrams and Fancy, uh, tons right? and tons of copy. And so you mentioned in the intro that I'm a master gardener and I've been doing that for about, you know, like 13 years or so. Um, but I'm also a herbalist. And so I've studied sort of plants as medicine and through that path also found my, my uh, legs as a permaculture designer. So I started studying permaculture because I started looking at how we were gardening and thinking, you know, 
This is a very wasteful way of doing it. We're wasting a lot of the materials that we're using. We're wasting a lot of energy. You go into the forest or a meadow and mother nature is gardening in a way that doesn't require any human input or any of, you know, so any labor to keep it going. Doesn't require supplemental water, doesn't require, you know, hauling out big bags of soil or tilling or anything mm-hmm. like that. So when I started think, looking for a better way, I found permaculture and, and, and did permaculture design certificates and, and, you know, started looking at how I could apply these things in my own garden. But like you said, it's a big topic and it was a lot to sort of bite off and chew. So I because I like to make everything easy, accessible pieces for me and for folks who, you know, follow my website Mm -hmm. and read my books. Um, I, I am a working disabled person, so I have to have things easy. I can't have these big chunks that are difficult to break down. So I looked at permaculture and I thought like, how can we break this down so that it's accessible for the home gardener, how we can take these ideas and practice them in our homes. And so that's what the regenerative garden is. It's a book of 80 projects that I've, employed in my gardens and uh, that have been used all throughout permaculture, broken down into really easy steps so that we can use them in the home garden. And just like Garden Alchemy, which we talked about last time is a recipe book for your garden, mm-hmm. um, you can sort of flip through the book and pick what works for you. You don't have to start at the beginning to end up at a certain place. You can flip through the book, find projects that resonate for you. Maybe your your goal is water catchment or soil remediation, but all those topics are covered in there. And really um, accessible ways of understanding how we can employ them in our gardens. So it doesn't feel overwhelming. Yeah. Breaking it down. And Matt and I are all, we're, we're with you on that. Like we're, that's what we do the show too, is to break everything down, right. And down and, and down to earth and really practical for everybody. So that's really down the garden path. That's right. <laughs> that's yeah. really important to us. And I think that's why we've had a hard time finding someone to talk to about permaculture or even us understanding it and be able to share it with our listeners because it is such a big topic. And I think everybody's at a different stage in gardening. So I think that's a great thing to have 80 projects that you can kind of pick and, and deal with because, and everybody's garden's different too, the scale and the size, right? Yeah. So I've taken the concepts and I put it into six chapters. And I think that really helps because uh, no matter sort of where you're growing or what you're growing, if you've got, you know, a huge acreage somewhere or, uh, you know, a little balcony garden, the concepts can be applied. Uh, So I talk a little bit about theory in each one of the chapters, breaking regenerative garden into sort of a cycle of six pieces that fit together. Um, And you'll find throughout the book, everything is sort of built in circular um, or honeycombs that connect with each other. We've done the visuals like that so that it's not just, um, you know, you don't follow, like I said, you don't have to follow the path from beginning to end, but Mm -hmm. if, you know, so the chapters are broken into soil, water, plants, which are pretty typical. And then it starts to get a little bit more into um, things that you'll find in permaculture. We talk about uh, climate, ethics, and the final chapter is community. So, and I can talk a little bit about um, more about what those mean, but as we go through, you know, sort of each of those six concepts, mm-hmm. it really comes together what permaculture is and how we u- can utilize that in our home gardens. Okay. So I'll be naive, Matt, uh, to interrupt you. Sorry, he's about to talk. Um, soil, like I think of permaculture, I think of soil. Well, of course, it all starts with the soil. Right. And you mentioned soil remediation. Like, is this a good thing, like, just to talk for a minute about it? Because is this a good time of year to kind of do soil remediation? Or is that something more for the spring? 
it's always a good time to do soil remediation. <laughs> I mean, yeah, soil is definitely one of the most important parts. But, you know, I think when we look at permaculture, it's not just one part. And it was really hard for me to actually take these projects and put them into each chapter because they cross many chapters. So some of the things that we look at in soil are, you know, building our soil. How can we, how can we, um, you know, get different, what gr different green manures would be good for sort of building the nutrition back in the soil. But it even goes so far as to look at different plants and what, if weeds are growing in our garden or wild plants are growing in our garden, what are they trying to tell us? So are these plants there because the soil needs some soil fixing and it's allowing us to sort of um, help repair the soil by these wild plants being introduced. Again, the more we pull out these wild plants that Mother Nature has planting for us, the more we're creating more work for ourselves because they're uh -huh. doing the right thing. And a really simple example of that is dandelions in our lawns. Okay. So I, I like to use this example because people always understand, you know, dandelions yeah. are growing in our lawns. There's now a fondness for dandelions. But think back, you know, sometimes homeowners associations get upset when people have lawns full of dandelions or, you know, you see, um, you know, folks out there pulling out like with the long handled weeder, getting those deep roots or blasting with some sort of torch. The thing is, is that dandelions are just so such a perfect companion plant for our turf grasses because they have this long taproot which we're always trying to dig out so, so difficultly <laughs> that goes down into this compacted soil brings up those deep minerals brings them up drops them then on their leaves on the soil level and helps to feed those shallow rooted turf grasses oh. so right away we've got a plant that's doing work to help support the turf grasses and we're pulling it out and then fertilizing, aerating, uh, adding all these, adding more grass seeds when we could just allow the lawn to have some diversity of plants and look at the different layers of soil. So it's, it, it's really hard to pick out, you know, is it really the soil that we're looking at? Because you can improve the soil all you want. Um, but if you don't have the right plants in it, then they're not going to grow and thrive. And there's ways that we can use plants in that help us really build our little mini ecosystems that will help us, you know, just something as simple as planting a bee border along your vegetable garden. So planting swaths of flowers that attract pollinators into the garden so that when they're flying up above, they see these swaths of delicious flowers that they want to come and grab the pollen off of and because they like variety they'll come into the garden and then go and pollinate your squash and your tomatoes and all those things for you um using them in those ways using them as companion plants polyculture planting where we're not just planting one thing we're planting multiple different kinds of plants all of these little concepts you can take one of them or you can take all of them and put them into your garden and it's gonna i think it's gonna add so much more than just, you know, helping us uh, add compost into our soil and fix the soil structure and then planting on top of it. We're looking at the whole, e creating an ecosystem that survives on its own so that we could walk away from it and it would thrive without us coming back and doing anything in it. So that's basically what, what our, would you say that's the goal of permaculture, basically to create a functioning ecosystem is self-sustainable, self-feeding without additional human inputs. Absolutely. And I did this in my in my last garden, which I just had to leave. And I would have 
folks coming through for garden tours. And they would look at the garden and say, oh my gosh, this garden is so beautiful. How, it must take you so much work. And I'm, I said, you know, I barely do anything. Really, I've set up the systems and now I allow the garden to grow on its own. So I just sit back and I enjoy it. I go harvest things, you know, I plant more things if I want to add more. I'll, you know, work on some on building some systems. One of my favorite chapters is the water chapter because we talk about all these different ways that you can help reduce watering. I know lots of folks love watering. They like to stand, they find it very meditative or like to go out in the garden. I don't like, yeah, okay, okay. No, yeah, so I'm, like, I'm raising my hand. <laughs> I don't like watering. I don't want to stand out there because I feel like, you know, I sit there and I think about the concept of that every drop of water is finite. We only have so many drops of water. So my my son, my kiddo, he's nine. He um he jokes that every drop of water is dinosaur pee, right? <laughs> so they've all been cycling <laughs> through our planet for all these years. And I feel like almost a little bit of, you know, heartbreak every time I sit there with my hose and I'm watering the garden when I could be catching that water in different ways and mm. allowing it to become an ecosystem that doesn't sort of take up this extra labor. So I do it through a number of ways. And, you know, like I said, we put this in a chapter so that there's you, you can round it out because one water catchment system isn't going to be the answer. Just having a rain bar barrel isn't going to get you all your water that you need. But you could create a rain garden. You could plant oyas. Oyas are, are subterranean clay pots that you fill with water that slowly drip irrigation out. Um, and, well, they don't drip. They um, the, the water goes through the clay pot into mm -hmm. the soil, right directly to the roots of the plants that need it most. So if you've got some plants that like a lot of water or you've got container gardens, oyas are something great that you can put in there. On large scales, like I said, you could do a rain garden. Um, you can do rain barrels, cisterns, connect them together to capture water. You can plant drought tolerant plants. All these things together work to create how you can reduce the amount of water that you're using. It could be something thing is simple. So I'm in Vancouver, BC, Canada. And so we do a lot of, we get a lot of rainwater. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not know. this past year, right? You guys Not the, Well, no, that's the thing. We're, <clears throat> we're constantly going through drought type situations. So yeah. here I am in a temperate rainforest going through year after year after year of drought. The plants here are confused. Nobody knows what's happening. <laughs> the people <laughs> are confused and we don't have enough water um, catchment stores like our large um, scale catchment stores like the reservoirs aren't big enough to support the drought conditions that we're now getting in the summer. So we're running out of water plus wildfires, right? You need a lot of water to put out wildfires. So some of the things that um, that I've been doing is really looking at how do we reduce the water that we use? How do we, you know, wa water slowly and deeply and infrequently so that we're creating you know, roots that can fend for themselves mm -hmm. and go down for that deep groundwater yeah. at the same time as capturing as much water. But some of the simple things that you can do um, and big changes that we can make just by these simple things is thinking about where what happens when it rains. So if we have gutters on our homes that go into downspouts that then go into our water treatment systems, our city water treatment systems, we're taking the water that's falling on our roofs and redirecting it away so that it ends up being processed and then sent back to our homes <laughs> and then put through our hoses instead of 
even just redirecting those downspouts so that they're 15 feet away from the house, but they just go back into the soil. Mm -hmm. That means that all the trees on our property, like our street trees, they'll have water deep down in the ground that they can access. Mm -hmm. So I talk a little bit about the concepts of all of these things, and it sounds like big things, but then there's little projects that you can do. And once you change your mind frame and go, yeah, I want to try to get as much water as possible. And I'm going to start with an Oya. I'm going to start with redirecting my downspouts. Then you end up having all this free time (laughs) that you can spend on doing the things that you love, like harvesting or doing more permaculture projects. (laughs) So you've mentioned an Oya. Um, How do you spell that for our listeners who might be uh, wondering how to Google that or look into that more? Great question. It's O-L-L-A because it comes from the Spanish uh, word for a terracotta pot that you would use it's a it's a clay baking pot but it's got a narrow spout on the top and a large sort of basin Uh, yeah it's a large round basin and you bury all of it except for the spout on the top and so I have a project in there where you can make it with two terracotta flower pots you fill up the bottom of one of the pots with um, just you know cover if you can get one without a hole without a drainage hole that's fine if you can't then I just used a quarter and some silicone and yeah a quarter filled it up perfectly and um, and then some silicone around the two and leave the hole the drainage hole on the top pot so what you're going to do is connect the widest part of the two terracotta pots together so you have almost like a diamond and shape and then bury that all the way up to the very top so that all that's showing is just like a half an inch of the bottom of the terracotta pot that's turned upside down and the drainage hole is there and so here's the next step so in the book one of the things I have is good better and best I each one of the projects um, have one honeycomb two honeycombs or three honeycombs so it gives you a place to start a place where you can go a little bit further and a place where you can go a little bit further from there And so what I've done with the Oyas is I also have a solar powered drip irrigation system that comes from my rain barrel. So when it's really sunny out, the it sends more, it drains more water from my rain barrel in directly into the Oyas. So it's got a long drip line and those drip little drip spouts goes right into the Oya. So now it's really sunny. My rain barrel is full and the Oyas are getting filled up more. It's not as sunny. So the, the solar powered system doesn't take as much uh, water out of my rain barrel and it doesn't fill them up as much it's it's super brilliant I love it it's so much fun to have this and oh, yeah. again I'm sipping mojitos <laughs> right <laughs> and enjoying my vegetable garden um and just sitting there enjoying the fact that it's you know all working on its own wow. yeah that's great <laughs> that's uh, thank you for clarifying um oh yeah because I always pronounced it Ula instead, like ah. O-L-A. Um, so, yes, thank you. Thank you so much. They're, they're just amazing if you have a chance to look into it. I think that's so cool that how you have it all set up like that. Is that project in the book if they wanted to set up like the solar timer and the dripper? Yes, it thing, is. Or? It's sort of as a side project. So the whole project and how you make the the um, – the whole project, how you make the Oyas is in there. And then I have a little sidebar of how I set up my system, because really you would just buy the solar power irrigation system. There's also a a complete project on how to build a rain barrel. So, and how to, um, 
to redirect your downspout. So all of that is there. You could put those ones together and then you would just purchase the kit that gives you the solar. I don't have the 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 tools to build the solar power system from scratch. Of course, right. somebody, if they did, could. But like I said, I'm I'm a working disabled person. I like things to be easy and they've got really great solar power kits. I got mine at Lee Valley Tools. Yeah, and okay. Yeah, I mean, such a great <clears throat> little kit and with all the watering lines, you know, mm -hmm. so that, and that's the thing about permaculture. It's not like you can't buy new materials. You can't, it's not that you can't buy solar powered things. It's all about making decisions. Everything that you use, you're considering the use. So if you're using something that is plastic, you're considering that you're using plastic and the plastic isn't going to break down forever. How many times can you use it? If you're using something that is wood, after that is finished its purpose, then what can you use the wood for? Um, so it's really not about, I, I write again about this in the book, it's not about judgment. It's not about doing everything perfectly or there is no perfect. It's just about making steps in the right direction because the mm -hmm. more we do that, the more successful we'll feel. And if we're successful in it, then we're going to really enjoy it. And like I said, free up your time so you can do other things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like that approach again, just kind of like considering the use of everything, right? Because, like you were saying too, Mother Nature has set up all of these uh, functioning ecosystems and these these systems that she has, and nothing goes to waste, right? She captures the water, she captures the debris, things break down, and it all just becomes part of that cycle. So that's great, kind of looking at our the tools that we're using and kind of considering them in that cycle. How much and can I use it for? And then what can I do next with it? Um, yeah, that's very cool. So you yeah. mentioned, sorry, go ahead. Well, I think we talked about that when I came on to talk about garden alchemy, because one of the things that absolutely drives me crazy about how we garden is that we have all this beautiful, and now it's becoming more and more popular, you know, these years later, let's leave the leaves, right? Everybody's mm -hmm. talking about leave the leaves. Do not scrape all those leaves because we're <laughs> ruining the ecosystem. We're we're taking away the over beneficial insects, and we're also taking away a valuable source of soil nutrition and mulch, right? Um, but that's the thing that always drove me crazy is that people People go through the garden, rip everything out, throw it in the city bin, send it back to the city, have the city then compost it and buy it back. Like, folks, <laughs> yeah. come on. And, but I mean, even deeper than that, there's so much value to just composting on your land. It, I mean, it, just like water catchment, you yeah. can't compost so much that you can get all the compost you need for a garden. Even if you have a small garden space, it's really difficult. It, it tends to be that math doesn't work out, right? No yeah. matter how large your space, even if you have a lot of bins. Um, but the more compost that you can do, it's hyper local. You've got the microorganisms that are surviving and thriving in mm -hmm. your existing ecosystem and instead of sending those away and then buying somebody else's ecosystem yeah. so buying somebody else's soil bacteria and and microorganisms you're buying the ones that you know thrive in yours yeah so it's like every time you have to reintroduce a native species yeah. to your garden if you're buying somebody else's <laughs> compost but if you're doing your own you've got this hyper local um source that you know did well at some yeah. point because your yeah. garden is building itself yeah. um you know so less disruption and more you know and it gives you more benefits yeah what do you think about um i know it can be kind of controversial on the end of the whole leave the leaves as far as um uh breaking down the leaves like should we be shredding the leaves or should we just leave them in the like just break them into the garden or do you think they should be shredded 
I love this question, Joanne, because I swear now that everybody is talking about leave the leaves is probably the question I get asked yeah. the most is people are like, okay, I want to leave the leaves, but, but in practicality, what am I supposed to do with this? And the answer is like, think about how the ecosystem is working and how you can help to return it back to that ecosystem. So there's not just one answer, but mm -hmm. so for my, for my garden, I have a giant oak tree outside and I'm, I've moved into a new place and it's a new build. So it's got a lot of lawn and sidewalks. We have to clear those leaves off the sidewalks. We can't leave them on the sidewalks. We cannot leave them on the city streets because they, they plug the drains. So the storm yeah. drains get plugged and that's not good because we'll get flooding situations. If you leave it on your turf grasses, those big oak leaves are just going to smother the little grass seeds or, or the, um, the grass plants, the turf grass plants. So in those cases, what I do is I rake up those leaves that haven't sort of, you know, they're not a forest floor. That is a right. different kind of garden. And I'm trying to preserve those gardens. I rake those up and some of them I will mulch because if I want them to break down over the winter, they have to be chopped up a little bit more. So you can run a real mower over them or you can mm -hmm. pick them up with, you know, some other tool and then put those in the garden in, in order to speed up decomposition. But what I try to do is I try to find spots where they could naturally decompose and build the soil. So if I have any garden beds in my old home, I would just take all the leaves, sweep them into the garden beds, put them around all the perennials, annuals, herbs and plants and trees and shrubs and all that stuff. And it would create what like the forest floor does this thick spongy layer of really rich composting, um, you know, the leaves don't break down in one season, but layer after layer and year after year, it feeds the soil. So yeah. some folks, you know, don't love the look of that because they want to see they want to see soil in between all their yeah. plants. <laughs> I don't have that problem because I plant <laughs> densely and I plant sort of like a forest would. If there's a spot, there's a new plant going in there. But if somebody did have that case, they could put topsoil right on top of that you know, and keep building that layer up. Oh, that's a good idea too. Yeah. Mm. If they're really having an issue with that, then there's no harm in putting compost or um, uh, soil on top of the, the leaf, leaf, basically what's it called? Like mold, leaf, leaf um, mold. Yeah. Leaf mold. I think, I think that the idea is, is to think <clears throat> about your ecosystem. Think, okay, mm -hmm. what are the creatures that are going to be overwintering in these leaves that have fallen and how do they need them? So in my oak tree, um, the creatures that are overwintering there are, um, they're called oak leaf rollers and they they're these little moths that aren't really invasive, but they have these like crazy silks and worms that hang everywhere. And there are like a gazillion worms. So if I'm going to rake up those oak leaves, I'm going to stop the overwintering of a lot of these creatures. And maybe there's some beneficials that eat these and they've also laid their eggs on there. Um, for me, I, I don't mind if there's less um, oak leaf rollers because okay. as much as they're not a, a horribly they're annoying and <laughs> and I'm, they're a great food source for somebody but the but the whoever eats them is not spending enough time here to eat yeah. them so they're out of control so every pest out there has a predator and right. if their predators aren't prevalent enough and the pest population becomes out of control well then we are the predator and so if i'm chopping up some of those leaves and destroying some of their ecosystem i'm also controlling a population of a pest that doesn't have that's not really in the food system because it's not it's become so out of control it's not feeding right. anybody yeah 
Yeah. So then in my mind, you would, I think you would need to plant some more berry bushes or something like that. That's going to attract the birds that then hopefully the birds eat the berries and, and, uh, you know, they're, they're around more for when those leaf rollers are around. Absolutely. Joanne just described permaculture. Like, wow, there you 100%. go. <laughs> That's exactly how you think about your ecosystem. What's missing? What does it eat? What eats it? And so like in, in this case, um, I'm in a, like I said, I'm in a brand new place. I've left my regenerative garden to a new family and now I'm building a new regenerative okay. garden. So I'm learning about the space. I'm learning about the creatures that I share the space with. That's in the last chapter community. Um, in that chapter, I was going to to call it wildlife and so I was sort of writing about you know who do we share the space with and as I really sat and thought about it um it it went a lot into the social permaculture ideas of we share our space with our families with our neighbors with the people who pass by not just the wildlife so how do we support our communities using our garden spaces so in there I've got a whole bunch of projects that sort of talk about working within the ecosystem and there's ones in there about you know creating a wildlife hedge and the diversity of sort of attracting and giving nesting spaces for um, animals that will help keep our pest populations under control um, and bring in benefits insects but there's also projects for seed libraries so how can we support sending out seeds and plants and gardening information out into the communities or urban flower stands where folks can you know grow flowers in their back gardens and then set up you know places where they can put those beautiful flowers out into out into the community by selling them in a flower stand or um, growing enough vegetables that you have extras left over mm, and you can do yeah. them in a in a um, urban or or even a you know farm stands are very typical when you're out in the country I'm yeah. I'm looking at like how do we do this in an apartment building yes, how do we do it yeah. in our neighborhoods how yeah. do we take these concepts from you know places where it can be a flower desert and bring you know bring them in so that our neighbors are sharing produce with us that you know yeah. all those crazy zucchinis that all the people in the country get yeah <laughs> they're getting left on doorsteps of apartment buildings now <laughs> <laughs> That is good. Yes. When Matt said about how much he loves watering, Stephanie, you have to keep in mind that he, he gardens at a condo. So it's not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so I know he's going to get some oils now because he's going to free up his time for more mojitos. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. <laughs> well, and you know, I, I got again from Lee Valley tool. I have these little water gardening bulbs. So, yeah. right. And so they go in, they're a long trumpet. They don't store the water um, like an Oya. I'm totally trying to correct myself on the word, but um, but they have holes in them. So when I do water directly, I'm watering directly into that root zone and I can just slowly water in, let it soak, slowly water in. So even though, you know, then my mulch on my containers might be dry or that upper little bit of soil might be dry, I know that the root zones have an access to moist, active compost that I've worked into my containers every year. So, yeah, and, but and those... Those things are so fantastic too for when you go on vacation because as a container gardener in the summer, you know, you got to water those things sometimes twice a day. Mm -hmm. So it's just brilliant. And you know, what's funny is they have ones at Lee Valley too. Guys, Lee, Lee Valley should be like, I know, totally a calling sponsor, us right? after this to yes. send us more things. <laughs> but they have those things as well where they're, it's actually a terracotta plant spike that you put on a wine bottle. Yes. Yes. yes that's sort of, of like too. that bulb that you have. Yeah, and I have I have one of those too, and it sets up to like yeah, like the wine bottle. I have the um, the Coke bottle one, so I can like screw in all my little plastic 
uh, pop bottles and stuff like that uh-huh. and, and poke them around and hide them and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. So yeah, so that's great. That breaks, I think, something that's practical like, and people can look up Lee Valley and kind of get an idea of what we're talking about, right? Yeah, I think so too. I think you can find all of that, uh, the solar power kit and, you know, the water bulbs and those those uh, plant caddy kind of, or not plant caddy, but, you know, those watering devices for sure. Plant nannies. That's what yeah. some of them were used to be called. Yeah. <laughs> plant nannies. Yeah. As we hit the end of the, sh- at the end of the show, at the bottom of the hour, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to jump in and say thank you everybody for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. And thank you as well if you were downloaded uh, this episode and you're listening at home or in the car, we appreciate you just as much. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host and co-author Joanne Shaw. And you are listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests that join us here on the show, such as tonight's guest, Stephanie Rose, talking about her new books, uh, Regenerative Gardening and Big Book of Botanical Crafts. Don't forget you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Down the Garden Path Podcast is our handle there. You can also find us on all of your favorite podcast providers. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from our listeners. You can always write us uh, down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com. You can reach Joanne and I at any time during the week with your pictures and your questions. And don't forget to visit our websites. You can find Joanne at www.down2earth.ca. And you can find myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca. So before we continue our discussion about regenerative uh, gardening and permaculture, uh, there were a couple of questions that popped in. Uh, Tommy's just quickly saying, welcome back. Uh, I love your guest. I remember listening to her before. Excellent topic. Thank you. And thank you, Tommy, uh, for writing in as well. Um, Where was the other one here? Sorry. Uh, And then Sue, just as we maybe jump in again, just talking about regenerative gardening, Sue just quickly asks, um, what exactly is regenerative gardening? What's the actual explanation? So maybe, um, Stephanie, do you want to maybe sum it up in in one or two sentences as kind of a quick definition? Absolutely. Regenerative gardening is when you build an ecosystem um, wherever your garden space was. So instead of something that's completely cultivated, you're looking at something that will support itself without a lot of human input. Nice. Ooh, Thank you so much. Very, you've been asked that yes. question before. <laughs> <laughs> I I wrote a book on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Awesome. Yeah, always have to have that elevator pitch ready, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. I just made that one up on the fly. I always say it a little bit differently. Sometimes I give examples, but you know, I, it it we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but this mm-hmm. really sums it up to say you can walk away from that garden and it will grow and thrive without you. So we're making the humans obsolete in the gardening <laughs> in the gardening cycle. That's the goal. That yeah. is the goal. And I think I think what you said too about 
practicality, like thinking about practicality too, because I think it's a lot for the people that were, you know, three years ago, putting their garden to bed and cleaning it up and making it spotless for them to make the jump to like, okay, just leave it all there. That's not going to happen. Right. But things like, you know, don't worry, you it's okay to take it off the sidewalk. It's okay to keep it off of the gutters and the lawns, you know, and really just, just move it to where it needs to go. And knowing that then that is doing, um, the job for you. I mean, it, I do the very much the same here. My husband was out raking today and and came back in and said, you know, I hope your your gardens are happy now because I've just filled the leaves, so, covered them with leaves. So I've trained him. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love that. I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, uh, a few years ago, we started all talking about sustainability. We're talking about, you know, how do we replace what it is that we've been taking out of the garden? Or what? how do we replace what we've been taking out of the earth? I mean, what yeah. How do we sustain the level that we're at? But we're beyond that now. So we also started looking at, you know, with all the climate changes, how do we become more resilient? So we look at, you know, all, all these things that are getting thrown at us, drought, wildfires, you know, tornadoes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How do we create a resilient garden that can, you know, stand up to pests, that can stand up to disease, that can help to thrive despite mm -hmm. all these things thrown at it. So regenerative is a step farther than both of those concepts. It takes in sustainability. And instead of just putting back what we take out, it's putting in more. It's putting in more so that it's able to be resilient, but then also be able to regenerate itself. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. And of course, your book is available on Amazon as well as your website. Oh, it's available at all at all places where oh, books are sold. That's right. In Canada, the books. U.S., the U.K., yep. Australia. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, available. Cool Springs Press is the publisher, so it's on their website as well. Oh, wonderful. Um, wonderful. But yeah, all major booksellers. So all I encourage major. folks to you know if they can order it at the library, get the library, mm -hmm. go to local bookstores. You know, encourage them to bring it in if they don't have it already. Thank Anywhere you. you can buy the book is absolutely wonderful. I I. I have some, but generally I just sell them locally because for me, the shipping ends up being yes. really expensive. And I really like folks to go to their local bookstores and libraries yeah. and yeah. sort of support books because, uh, you know, it's been one of those things that has been uh, sort of left a little bit. And having those books, you know, supporting authors, supporting people who create books and share information in a deep form like this is really important, yeah. really important of how we uh, keep our information flowing. Excellent. Excellent. So that book is already available. And so before we go, I do want you to talk about the book that's coming out on November 22nd. So that is the big book of botanical crafts. So tell us uh, what inspired you to do this book. So th <laughs> this is, is part of my other my other sort of theme that I write about. So as a herbalist and a permaculture designer and a gardener, I I absolutely love plants and I see all their medicinal healing benefits. I started, as I've mentioned a couple of times, I'm, I, I, I'm a disabled person. I'm a working disabled person. So I have an in, invisible disability. And I start, I found gardening because I use gardening to heal myself from a really severe illness that took me out for a couple of years and took 10 years to heal from. Um, um, so now I live my life with sort of the gratefulness that what plants have given me, not just going out in the garden and, and 
you know, giving ourselves beautiful food that feeds our souls and feeds our bodies and sort of gives us that exercise and sunshine as we grow it. But also the the herbs that we can grow that we can turn into skincare, that, you know, nature's elements that we can use to create beautiful things for our home and even our natural cleaning products. So the Big Book of Botanical Graphs takes those herbalism properties of what are the benefits of plants and instead of feeding them back to the earth like I did in Garden Alchemy and the Regenerative Garden, how can we now take those things and feed our bodies and our homes? Ah. So there's three chapters in this book and it's coming out on the November 22nd, which is uh, next Tuesday, I think. Um, there's three chapters in this book. The first one is beauty. So it's got how to make bath bombs and lotion bars and bath salts and tub teas and all these different lip balms, you know, things that support and nourish your body and also make gorgeous gifts. So it's a really, really good time of year for doing this. Yeah. We wanted mm. to make some of our, you know, some things for, um, you know, giving away as holiday gifts keeps us out of, you know, some of the shopping malls. And, you know, for me, that's not my favorite place to be. I'd rather get together with a couple of friends or family members and craft up some things and then give away these beautiful handmade gifts made with herbs and flowers from my garden. Um, the second chapter is on candle making. And so really in that chapter, we talk about aroma. Mm -hmm. You know, we fill our, our homes with things that are visually pleasing, but sometimes we don't think about, and music, you know, we, we fill our homes with the sounds of, you know, things mm -hmm. that keep us relaxed, but also scents keep us relaxed. They, they help to change a mood. You can, you can burn a candle with, um, you know, some, some evergreen smells that helps us to, you know, sort of get into the mood for the holidays, or we could, you know, burn a candle with um, uh, a grapefruit scent in it. And that would help us to in our digestion after a big meal. So, you know, things that brighten us up, things that calm us down. Uh, when I moved into this house, I was very sad because it, I, I lost my act, my gas fireplace and my I didn't ha I don't have a wood burning. I have an electric fireplace here, and okay. I really miss the glow of candles. So I was so happy that I had all these candles that I had made, and I have them around the house, just sort of enjoying the warmth. And then the third chapter is natural cleaning. So, you know, really, really simple things that we can use to clean our homes instead of, you know, taking all that beautiful lavender and cutting it back. because so we have to cut those plants back a couple of times a year and just putting it in the compost bin. That lavender makes really great cleaners. It's got antibacterial, antimicrobial properties. It smells amazing. And I know that the companies that make cleaning products like laundry detergent and things are on to this lavender thing now because <laughs> years ago I would go to the store and nothing was lavender scented and now everything is mm, lavender yes. scented. So lavender and rosemary, mint, um, orange peels, you know, all these things make amazing cleaners and uh, can replace a lot of the store-bought products that we're using around our homes and clean just as well, but add this like really healthy, warm fragrance. Oh, that's great. I think this is great because either you can gift the book to somebody who's crafty or you can make the you can buy the book and and uh, and, and make the crafts that then you can gift. So either way, you've got them coming <laughs> and going. Right. Stephanie? Oh, I love that, Joanne. <laughs> <laughs> you have you have amazing ideas. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. 
Um, so that's good. And, and I, I love that you've gone full circle. Like, and I, I love that you've, um, you know, related it to your life and your health and, um, which I hope is doing well. And, and, uh, I know leaving the garden must've been hard and, and, but oh. hopefully you're cherishing the, the excitement of planning a new one is, is carrying you through. It is, you know, there is a lot of, I am great. I am great. You know, leaving my garden, it was very hard and I grieve very hard for it. Um, but also, so the fact that it's a regenerative garden was also felt like a gift because I was able mm-hmm. to plant this space that I was able to then set free and walk away from knowing that 10 years, you know, so many, so many folks will plant a garden and leave their home and go back and drive, drive by and say, oh, they're not taking care of it. They let it all. I've driven by my garden from 15 years. Oh my gosh, almost 20 years ago. And it's still doing well. The one that I planted two houses ago, because I was using these concepts before I even mm-hmm. knew about what these concepts were and was able to write about them so yeah it's it's um it's bittersweet at the Mm. same time as you know I do I mean I live this life you know folks that come over to my house they see the the cleaning bottles and it's all full of natural stuff they see that you know we've got these things are part of my life and sometimes you know when you're not feeling well or even you're feeling fine, but you just want to add a little sparkle to your day. Some of these things, like just taking a sprig of rosemary, rolling it in your hands and breathing in the aroma can help change your focus and and give you a little burst of energy. Um, Putting a little bit of lavender and hops and mint in a pillow, in a little um, muslin bag, and then putting that in your pillow at night can help to help you drift off into dreamland if you're having a hard time sleeping. So all these little ideas Mm -hmm. are just ways that we incorporate plants, not just in our garden space, but bring them into our homes and our lives. Yeah. I think we used to, this makes me think like this is just all ancient knowledge that again, part of that connection to this earth, these things that we used to do um, that we're just missing and we just take for granted in in other ways. So I think You're that- so right, Matthew. Like, I mean, that's the thing. None of this is new. It's just like stopping and smelling the roses, literally like slowing down to appreciate all these gifts that the natural world gives us and being able to, you know, find ways to connect with those with those plants. Yeah. Yeah. It just and it just it's so bounteous. It's just nature is constantly giving. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think we just miss that. So I'm excited to try some of these awesome projects and things like that. And I've got nieces and nephews who are excited to be outside and growing and play with these things. So I can't wait to introduce them to some of your DIY crafts and projects and get them even more excited than they already are. I love that. I love that because when we, you know, teach our children Mm -hmm. to love the earth and they'll grow up to protect it. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely I think we want to talk more about um, permaculture design that you talked about. So I think that's a whole other show, Stephanie, that we can maybe talk about because I I'm going to send you an email about that. And uh, I know you need to go shortly, but I want um, everybody to know that we'll have all your links to your books and your previous show with us in our show notes as well. So all of our listeners um, can get all that information as well as you have a, um, it's a blog on your website, gardentherapy.ca. Yeah. Garden therapy is kind of the hub where you can find everything. My books, I've got some courses, I've got lots and lots of projects on there and it's really a, a great community of folks that come together, you know, to sort of celebrate our love of plants and, Mm -hmm. and how we can incorporate them into sort of every part of our lives. 
Excellent. Excellent. So that's a great resource. So yeah, so I just want to make sure that everybody knows that. that uh, and do you have any other parting words for us before we let you go? I just, I thank you so much. It's always a pleasure speaking with you both because we all sort of get it. And I yeah. love that your listeners, you know, they they do truly, you know, are, are open to all these, you know, interesting different topics that you bring forth. I I, I love mostly that it's so non-judgmental that start where you are mm -hmm. and celebrate yeah. what you've been able to, how you've been able to grow. So usually when I sign off on my newsletters and my emails, I say, keep on growing because we're really never going to be there. There's no judgment. Just keep on growing. Oh, perfect. Yeah, you've never arrived, right? We just have to keep on growing. Oh, that's great. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining us tonight. And we're excited for your new book, uh, as well as uh, diving into the regenerative garden, because I think that's um, really going to help our listeners. It's going to help Matt and I too. <laughs> Great. Well, I hope you're all you stay well. And <laughs> in this winter season, yes, your gardens continue <laughs> to grow. And I will come back and chat with you anytime you like. I'm happy to I'm happy to come and visit again. Perfect. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we were just excited that we got to spend this time with you. So, uh, so that's good. And the sun is sh down now, right? <laughs> so you yep, it's yep. The sun is now down. I've got there's a, a little bit of like beautiful sunset left. And I'm going to head out and walk and go grab my kiddo. And then we're gonna have dinner and, you know, get the let the dog out to play a little bit. It's, uh, you know, perfect evening. Excellent. Excellent. Well, enjoy awesome. your evening. And thank you again for joining us here on Down the Garden Path, you know. <laughs> thank you. Uh, okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, Stephanie. So yes, everybody, definitely, if you haven't been already, you definitely need to head over to gardentherapy.ca to see Stephanie's wonderful blog and all of her resources. Don't forget to also take a look at our past episode with Stephanie Garden Alchemy. The date there is November 18th, 2020, uh, two years ago during our Authors Month. Again, another book filled with wonderful projects and amazing uh, information there as well. So uh, there's just so much wonderful knowledge and hands-on things to experience and create. And just, again, reconnect yourself with these pieces of nature and gardening that may not just come straight to the forefront when you think of um, gardening and how to enjoy your plants and uh, use them outside of just watching them grow in your garden. So definitely head over there for those wonderful resources and those books. Excellent. Well, I just wanted to say I th thank you for having a great show with uh, Julia last week, last week while I was away. Um, I could tell from all the listeners writing in that they had a good time. Yes, I hope everybody heard. Uh, I think there's, there's a couple there that uh, said, you know, thank you and welcome back. And hi, Joanne. So thank you, everybody who wrote in and welcomed back, Joanne. Yes. Did you want to quickly tell? I think everybody's wondering. I said you just went on a cruise. Yes, so. yes. Well, wait, yes, it was, a, it was a long one. But yeah, it was like two vacations. Uh, we did we did do Europe. We flew. I flew to Rome and we did um, Rome and um, 
a couple a couple stops in Spain, um, then on to G- Gibraltar and the Azores. So really, like wow, like a lot there. And then it was a transatlantic cruise, which we've never done before. And um, and so yeah, then so six days at sea, avoiding hurricanes, which was kind of not <laughs> so much fun, but it was fine. And uh, and then uh, landed in the Bahamas the day after the storm. So then all sh- beaches closed, short excursions canceled. It was like, <laughs> oh well, guess we'll stay on the ship, you know. So that was fine. And then uh, then to Florida and then home. So yeah, it was a great trip. Lots of plants. Um, I was able to. I posted some stuff on social media. So if you guys follow me on social media. Um, you'll see some sneak peeks of um, plants. I uh, visited botanical gardens in Gibraltar, and I didn't know much about Gibraltar at all. And we were, because of the storm, we were a little late getting there um, in one of the storms. And so we didn't have a ton of time, but I found a botanical garden. And then in the Azores, the same thing, uh, found a different botanical garden. So super contrast. So today I shared about the Gibraltar one. Um, and then the ship actually had gardens and so they had a rooftop garden which i posted about i know amazing i got to meet the two guys that were that take care of it and i said to them i said that should be like an excursion that should be like a thing to do on the ship is help help you guys prune prune plants and they were both gave me high fives they thought that was great so um so yeah so yeah did you not see the post i did share the the rooftop garden and then there's an area of this ship called eden and uh, and it was an indoor. So plants, wall plants, lots of tropical plants, every nook and cranny that they could put plants in. Um, on this ship, they had plants, big plants. And I just, it was just, I loved it. And I know a lot of people would have not even realized that they were real. And they did in Eden have to mix some, um, because access to to water them was challenging in certain areas. So they right. were really good about, they had huge hanging baskets of um Oh my goodness, went right out of my mind. That hanging, <laughs> what's the common one that hang? Oh my gosh, uh, pathos, right? Okay. Huge, big hanging baskets of pathos that they could reach to water. And so then, where they couldn't reach because of the story, this, you know, they were now three stories up, um, they did uh, fake pathos but it they it worked because uh it just made it all so all the ceiling was covered in plants and all the areas that weren't surrounded by water uh windows were covered with plants so it was wonderful and the fact that they named it eden you know it was it was great so so yeah so i I, even though i was on vacation i did a lot of planting (laughs) like plant tent with ing like i think of like in brackets like ing um so that was great so yeah so i did catch a cold so you guys can see it hear it in my voice um but uh i'm back and uh yeah and that was a great show and i'm so excited that stephanie was able to join us and promote both of her books yes agreed yeah wonderful books um they're absolutely beautiful inside you guys have to definitely check them out for sure. I think that I want to uh, join a cruise ship gardening crew and uh, <laughs> cruise oh. around, around the oceans <laughs> on these yeah. beautiful ships and just garden. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, fascinating what they were able to. And it was so cute because he said, I said, like, how is your turnover? Like, what's, you know, are the plants surviving these this harsh weather, right? Because they're in the sun, but then there's a ton of wind because it's a rooftop. And, um, and he said, yeah, they do pretty well. They don't have a lot. They don't lose a lot, which is great. Um, he said they do have to do some extra protecting when they go to like Iceland. <laughs> he says that gets a little <laughs> challenging. Um, and then he said, uh, uh, but they do still have, there's an irrigation system 
Um, but they still on hot days have to water two or three times a day because of the I wind. Mostly, I think, because of the wind. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. just the wind on the ocean for sure. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a whole show by itself. It does. Gardening on a cruise ship. Yes, yes, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, so that's where I was. So I'm so glad that you and and um, Julia. Julia had a good time and talked about tea gardening. Uh, that episode looks like it was very popular. Yeah, again, just a beautiful book and just so many teas and ways to make tea. And, again, use these plants and these clippings and, you know, cutting back your lavender, your herbs. There's what a wonderful episode. So again, thank you to uh, Julia for joining us. Again, it is Authors Month on Down the Garden Path. And you know what books do is they make great gifts. They do. So make sure that you are definitely checking out uh, Stephanie's uh, books. There's lots on their website. Again, the site is gardentherapy.ca. And you can go to slash books to find all of her books there, as well as her past episode book, uh, again, Garden Alchemy, filled with amazing projects, great information. You can also find Stephanie there on all of her uh, social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and TikTok, uh, to follow more about Stephanie. Don't forget as well to check out uh, Julia's book sure. uh, also. Uh, again, the How Tea Gardening for Beginners. Again, you can see juliademacos.com there. And of course, we have our own book. We Down do. We do. <laughs> That's right. We do. So a great, again, a great gift filled with tips and tricks uh, and advice just to keep your garden simple and what to do and not to do as well. I think just as importantly as what to do. Uh, during all the different months. So don't have to worry. It takes the kind of the guesswork about what you should and shouldn't mm -hmm. be doing. And again, like uh, Stephanie said, more time to sit back and enjoy those mojitos and uh, those drinks. So check it out. You can find it on amazon.com and or .ca. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful gift. I know I've already uh, sold a couple and given away a couple for uh, gardening gifts. As well, I know we've got a couple of listeners who've written in uh, who know that they've got it on their Christmas gift Excellent. list as well. Yeah, I think books, even like a hostess gift, you know, who, no, yeah. I mean, I know we just talked about making candles, but who needs, you know what I mean? If you're going to someone's home and, and they happen to be a gardener or a new gardener or a new homeowner, um, then a book, our book is a perfect gift. So um, I know we're doing our like self-promotion plug, but hey, it's our show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Welcome to our show. You know, I also think, too, um, as you and I have discussed, too, and I know we have some, uh, you know, if you're a contractor or a landscaper and you have a crew or on a crew, you know, if you don't get to deal with the plants and things like that and you just kind of show up and mow the lawn or you are in the gardens, but you need want to know a little bit more about what you could be doing and or looking for also makes a great gift for your landscaping crew um, or your lawn crew or your construction crew just to yeah. kind of give you, again, another look into that space you might not be always working on uh, mm -hmm. so just some maybe some uh, yeah, our, our training for new hires right or even so training, new hires exactly. yeah yeah especially because it's broken down by time so you know this is what you should be doing in November you know and and the you know and then and the rest of the garden season it's it just helps you um, know what to do so um, so yeah yeah like Stephanie said just broken down into little digestible clumps that's uh, right that are easy to read and digest 
So that brings us to the end of another episode of Down the Garden Path here on Reality Radio 101. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in live. Thank you, everybody, for downloading the podcast. Uh, don't forget to look for Stephanie's uh, books, GardenTherapy.ca, and we look forward to continuing our Authors Month here on Reality Radio 101. Thank you again for tuning in Down the Garden Path, and we'll both see you next week, same time, same channel. Take care, everyone. Have a Bye. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.